Hello, and welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, we are mindful, and we tell or share our stories. I am Eric Chase. We are powered by GEMS. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is a uh, involved in education, coaching, consulting EMS providers and leaders. He believes in strength-based EMS. Uh, individuals need to, to be and operate at their most authentic selves. And his company, Mustard Seed Coaching, he is based out of Wisconsin, and I know we'll um, work with people around the country. Uh, I've seen some fantastic, fantastic, thoughtful, uh, mind-illuminating posts um, from John Kavanaugh on LinkedIn. I reached out after having a visceral experience in response to one of his posts talking about ethical leadership, and I reached out to John and asked if he would be willing to share his um, training, his information about his company, about his passions for EMS leadership, um, having been a paramedic and now now being a coach, if he would share that with the listeners um, on GEMS. So without further ado, John Kavanaugh, welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast. Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate this. So John, um, a little bit about Mustard Tea coaching. Uh, just prior to our recording, you had said something, and, and uh, in your words, just because I think it captures the essence the best, um, you formed a company. What was the impetus for that? And then you also have a name, Mustard Seed Coaching. If you could explain to the listeners and our followers what that means to you and that, how that was developed. Absolutely. So first off, it's a, it's a nod to my faith. Uh, if you read scripture, you're, you, you're familiar with the story about the mustard seed and the analogy that Jesus uses with that, uh, that from small things come great things. And for coaching... That's about the most succinct statement that I can come up with that we're taking small steps towards something great. And when we can break things down into bite-sized pieces, they become a whole lot less intimidating and we can achieve the goals. We can achieve whatever's because we did it one small step at a time. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for having the strength and the courage to uh, proclaim your faith and 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 be it scripturally based and and, and citing uh, Jesus. Um, all too often, I think in work or in life, uh, we as humans are fearful of how people are going to perceive us. And the integrity to stand on one's convictions and espouse them publicly, as this has been, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, intentionality and conviction. Are, are, are important. And to our first topic, I think woefully lacking in a lot of areas in leadership and ethical leadership. And that's the post that really got me. Uh, and, and, and I just want to preface this. Nobody's going to be proselytizing here. You're sharing your faith. Um, and also, uh, you know, we, we believe that sharing the good news is, is, is important. And, and that being said, ethical leadership is something where individually and corporately we have been seeing abject failures, inconsistencies, lack of accountabilities. And since you are a coach and you were a paramedic, I would love to hear your thoughts and what was the impetus for that uh, post that you made, which got me in every kind of feel um, on ethical leadership. For me, the the importance or the the value of ethical leadership is straight up values. So my my values even separate from my faith, really give me a, a, a bedrock viewpoint for things. And it took me working through Clifton Strengths and through my coaching to to understand that about myself, that that values values are a, a, a prime directive for me, that it's a no until it comes in alignment with my values and then it then becomes part of my values and then I can be wholeheartedly in support of, of the thing, whatever the thing is. And I wish I knew then what I, what, what I know now, I, I think as, as, as we all get older, we, we use that saying all too often, but that's one of the things that drives me is that I didn't understand this about myself, let alone about what a good leader was versus a bad leader. Um, versus having the the autonomy to stand up for myself and choose choose the ethical thing, choose the right thing 
choose the thing that I could go home at the end of the day to my family and say, I was, I, I was an, an, an honorable man today. Um, that's not to say that I was dishonorable, but to really know what, what my lines were, what my boundaries were. So I, I would know when something conflicted and I would say, this isn't for me. I'm out of here. Um, the, the post in question came about from back when I was, uh, I had just, just left a, a large corporate EMS agency. Uh, and I, I had crews that, that were still reaching out to me and they had, they had asked me, they were being asked to be in service. This was actually an, an ALS crew that was being put in service, uh, as a BLS crew because they didn't have enough ALS gear. So they were just being put in service as a BLS crew for a, a interfacility transport. And the crew asked me if they needed to have a certain piece of equipment on the truck and I, my, my previous job and, and my passion is, is, is to be a resource for people to have information of all sorts. And so I knew all the, all the Indiana EMS codes and statutes. And I said, absolutely. Section 14, paragraph two, line, you know, three sort of, sort of response uh, for the answer that they needed. Uh, but then I, I was able to follow up with them on it and say, you have to decide whether you're going to stand up and say, I'm not doing this run or you're going to let that leadership tell you what to do and you compromise yourself. And I didn't ask the person what their decision was. I just put it back, back, back in, in their court and um, they made the decision to, to keep their job and to do the run, even though they, they knew that, that they shouldn't have. Uh, but I guess that's a, a long way of an answer to say what what strikes me later on is that we have a lot of young, impressionable people coming into our doors, whether you're fire-based or you're municipal or you're third-party, for-profit, whatever. We have a lot of young people coming in, and this is their first experience in EMS, potentially, and even potentially their first their first true job. and if they're surrounded by ethical leadership, by people who are creating a culture of doing things the right way, of taking care of the customer, and that includes the patient, that includes each other, that includes the nurse at the nursing home, the custodian at the hospital, everybody. If we're taking care of people the right way, that's going to set those people up, those new hires, those new young people for success. What I realized about this, my example, was that there were a lot of new people coming in who are walking into a very negative environment. And when that business closed, those people then had to go to other agencies with a really bad experience that they had to work their way through. Or they came out saying that this was what EMS was really like. And maybe they left the profession altogether or they came in with the same negative attitude that then had to be corrected by their new employer. So it, it really set, sets them up for a whole lot of work just because the leadership didn't want to do the right thing. And hearing that, you know, a lot of times you'll see these ads and looking for team players and come join our team. And if the team mantra is um, just just do it and push through and we'll get by and get by regardless of statute or state directive or dictate. Um, had that crew been pulled over uh, without a patient by the state doing a, a you know on the spot uh, inspection and they hadn't had the appropriate equipment, whatever level of licensure they were to have and how that vehicle was, was tagged or licensed. I, I know each state operates a little bit differently and how they license, whether it's the ambulance or the equipment that's required and or all the above. Who would that company have uh, uh, held accountable themselves for telling the crew to do it, the supervisor for saying do it, or the two employees that said, I need this job, and it might be one or two of their jobs that they're working in order to maintain and sustain a family or their lifestyle. Um, with your experience, what have you seen generally? Where, do, where, where does the, uh, the hammer drop? Who, who's the person or persons that, that typically or traditionally have gotten in trouble in an unethical department or agency? Typically, it's it's the, those frontline 
staff members. Uh, we we see it we see it anytime that there's any any newsworthy event. Um, you know, uh, I I I have a mindset. I I, I dabble in in lean six sigma things. And um, Mark Rabin had talked about the uh, nurse incident down in Nashville, I think it was, from several years ago, and how the nurse was basically thrown un under the bus for administering the wrong medication. And it's it's easy for us to Monday morning quarterback it, but if you look at systems, if you look at the complexity in which EMS operates within, um, it's it's better to say, yes, this one person did make a, a decision, but look at everything else that was going on that factored into that decision. Um, and instead of pointing the fingers at the easy answer of, well, the, that that EMT, that paramedic screwed up, the right thing to do and the more meaningful thing to do is to understand all the parts and pieces that were at play help that provider realize how they could have done it better, but then create a system and work on a system. So that way that that situation can't happen again, or the harm done is minimized. I don't think we can ever create a, a wholly safe environment, but if we can minimize the, the, the jam, damages done, when things do go off the rails, then that's to me almost as good as as solving the problems altogether. Hearing that, and and we also, um, you know, have systems failures um, that that are attributable to a human error, or or at least we all can have part um, holding one to a higher standard over another when all these contributing factors would have led these two individuals potentially in an in a unethical and in a toxic culture, they would have been held accountable and probably terminated um, had they been, uh, you know, inspected, so to speak, or had there been an adverse incident with the patient, which required that specific piece of equipment. Uh, and albeit they were operating a BLS role, patients are patients are patients, and we can't determine the future. Um, so with that, you know, when you see these articles out there and, you know, it's some people call it clickbait and other people say, well, it, just based upon the title, you'll see these keyboard warriors just making casting aspersions and negativity and, and uh, discrediting the person or persons or agency or organization that was alleged to have been involved in some sort of bad act. And, you know, you'll see people making comments that directly indicate that they haven't even read the first paragraph, let alone any of the article or listen to any of the. So how do, from your standpoint of coaching and your integrity, how do you combat that? And how, if you had an organization that you were uh, working with, um, share with them without giving all away your trade secrets, because, you know, I don't want, I want people to call you and, and email you and ask you, but in this ethical leadership standpoint and also working through an issue where there's multiple layers of, let's just say fault, to use that, that easy word, where there can be blame across, across several things. What is one of the things that you had to learn or did learn or knew that you were able to act upon and could share with an organization or an individual that was having a difficult time with this? If you, if you put on your coach's hat for a second. Oh, absolutely. The, the one thing that, that I would try to impress on people is look at the person that's in, in, in front of you. And if that person has never given you reason to question their integrity, their morals, their viewpoint on whatever, if you've seen them display a certain behavior consistently, then why aren't we giving them the benefit of, of the doubt? Um, I, I believe very strongly in, in looking backwards so we can look forwards, that understanding where we came from helps us to, to get to where we are and then gets us ahead. And if, if I've seen 
if, if I've seen you show show integrity, if I've seen you show kindness, if I've, if I've seen you um, show patient centered care, where you're you're holding that little old lady's hand and you're singing songs with little kids and making balloon animals and all those those true warm fuzzies that are coming from your heart, then when you get called on the carpet for something that would be in violation of that, I should immediately say, this doesn't make sense with what I've seen. Flip side, if you don't know for fact what a person is all about, that's probably a bigger problem. Um, if you if if you can't validate that your your crew members do show integrity and compassion and all that, um, but it's it, it's not enough to just carte blanche trust people one hundred percent because we're all fallible. We all we all lie. We all are lazy. We all do we all do things that are that are undesirable. Um, and I try to make this point with 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 my kids, especially when they were younger and they started to start start dating that 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 boy that likes you he's being nice to you because he likes you but that doesn't mean that he's actually a nice person so before you get all get all silly gaga with him see actually how he acts when he's in different settings do you see him pick up a, pick up a piece of trash if he does that there's probably something good about him if he throws his trash on the ground as he's driving, that probably says something too. Um, and as, as I work with people, that's, that's what I love about strengths is that it's tapping into an understanding what makes you tick, what brings out the best in you, in yourself, not in, not in comparing you to other people, but it's the things about you that make you tick, that bring passion, that bring energy, uh, that put you in, in, in the zone, um, that make you be so powerful. And when you can create a team where people understand how each other acts and, and thinks, then you can start to leverage those partnerships in really neat ways to make sure that you're getting the perspectives that you need. So I heard a lot of things. I heard strengths and perspective, and those are two things that uh, for a person that maybe lacks confidence or isn't in the environment where they can shine and do not know or feel how they can share that voice. And oftentimes when, we're, when we feel boxed into a corner or when we're frightened or anxious, uh, our reactions and responses are seen as quirky, weird, abnormal, angry even, uh, when when there's no intentionality of being any of those things, that's just um, a subconscious response to a, a situation that's very uncomfortable for us. As we're learning this this technique, this strength uh, focus, and how to, how to walk through that, you're walking through that with a client or an organization. Um, observation, as you said, is is very very important. So slowing down and knowing and being relational with the people that are within your organization, not just simply transactional. Um, for when incidents do occur because of fallibility concerns, trust yet verify, I hear you saying. Um, watch them in different environments. And yet because of this cancel culture that we're in or organizations that are, that are worried more about staffing than integrity or time response because we're going to be paying a bill because that's the agreement you know the old school ems thinking that it's all based upon time 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 and then you get fined if you don't make it within these measurables you know learning what true and i think uh you know certain types of receiving that information uh through dispatches uh really has helped us articulate real emergencies if we're getting again the, the accurate information from the caller and how that's disseminated to the crews and the response agencies. So digesting everything you said and talking about strength and perspective, when you have an individual that doesn't feel comfortable, capable, 
uh, of, of shining the way they really could. What's a way that you've worked with somebody in the past that might spark somebody to say, you know what, I need to give John a call. I, I want to I hear how John might work with us on this circumstance or situation that we're having. So if you could give us a retrospective analysis of how you work with an individual and organization uh, on, on something uh, specific without giving away you know, that, that confidentiality or that relationship specifically, that might say, hey, not only have you worked in the field, you have a vision for how people can be their best selves in the field of EMS. So if, if there's something that you can look back onto to, to shine a light forward for an organization or an individual say, you know what, I've been walking this line and I don't know how to help myself any further. I need help. And they finally got to the point where they're going to reach out to, to Mustard Seed and to John Cavanaugh. And they say, John, how have you helped somebody in the past with, with something different or the same? The fact that a person realizes that is actually that first small step. Um, my my EMS career spanned about 30 years. And uh, by all rights, it was a successful career. My my resume is a is, is I think pretty pretty good resume. A uh, lot of lot of good experiences, a lot of good titles on there, a lot of good connections, good good relationships and reputation. Um, but I like to say that I was accidentally successful. Um, I didn't I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have uh, you know a, a fire officer that sat there and and worked with me over years and years and years and helped me to be a great fire officer or anything like that at all. Um, I, I definitely did have people that helped me along the way, but it was, it was, it was informal. Um, and I didn't appreciate it for what it was in the moment. And when I, when I left my hospital position to move from Indiana up here to Wisconsin, uh, that was really the start of me having having that that aha moment of, like I said, I wish I knew then what what I know now. And as I as I started to understand myself, that's when I realized we all, every single person, every person listening, that brand new hire, your sixteen year old kid, that sixty seven year old person who's been on the department forever and ever, we all have a voice and we all bring unique awesomeness to our lives. But we get chained down year after year, event after event with what are actual lies. They're, they're the stories that we tell ourselves that are true but they're not true. And we carry those chains and we're not talking about big, heavy traumas necessarily, but those definitely are, are part of it. But just those, the, those little lies of because, because I'm a new hire, they won't listen to me. And because they won't listen to me, then that means this problem is going to keep happening or I don't have a college degree. So I can't get that promotion, which means I'm going to be stuck living in my parents' basement until I'm 46 years old. Um, they're, 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 they're lies and we need to confront them for what they are. And that's, that's what, what one of those first steps is, is truly finding out who we, who we are and who those passions are that run deep and those things that matter to us, um, help us to start, start moving forward. Um, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know how you tick, if you don't know the situations that that make you weak, those situations that drain you, but you keep getting put in those situations, you don't understand why you feel so lousy, why why you hate your job, why you hate your life. Um, and it's because the situations you're in conflict against you in this kind of subconscious way. And that's, that's truly our, one of the things that I love about strengths-based EMS is it's taking EMS providers and leaders and anybody, but given, given my, my background, it's, it's who, who I, who I really specialize with. It's, it's helping these individuals 
and then their agencies tap into the the things about each person that that drive them that get them passionate about whatever it is um if you have this this knack for organization and you get a chance to go in the in the supply room in the in the logistics room even just in your ambulance and clean it all out and gut it and restock things and turn the four by four so the labels all go the same direction your partner could care less about that but you could spend all day doing that and when you get a chance to do that you're happy meanwhile your, your partner may be just thrilled to death about meeting new nurses and new nurses aides and new doctors at at a hospital and that's where their passion is is connecting with people and so when there's a person who's struggling to find their voice, it's finding out about who they actually are and then helping them to start to position themselves so that inner fire can really start to shine because that's their unique personal self that we all have. It just shines in different ways. Thank you for that. Um... So for thinking individually, this is across all spectrums of the organization from the owner, CEO, CFO, COO, down to that brand new hire and everyone in, in, in the peripheries that support the organizational structure and actions. What if it's the leader of the organization uh, or that has put people in position that don't have the, haven't had these aha moments of their own personal desires and designs and they're operating within a structure that doesn't support them being their authentic selves, where they haven't been allowed to have their aha moments, where they may have had the realization that they're be being or living or acting incongruent with the joys that they want to express and experience. To your point, that, that one employee, and we all know them from all the organizations that we've worked in, that is that person that's so dynamically engaged with relational perspectives. And there's that, always that one that's dynamically engaged, as you said, to your to your point, the uh, the stock room, the storage room and keeping it pristine. And, and you know, again, a systems issue that, you know, ordering and, and financial uh, decisions are, are made upon upon things like that being as tidy and as tight as they are. But coming back, circling back around, if it's the organization head or the leaders within that organization, um, that haven't been able to get past the realization that something needs to change to the point of action for it to change so that they can see systemically throughout that organization these opportunities for each person to shine even brighter. Um, so realization versus action at the highest levels and how, does, how do you feel that stifles the organization and what can they do knowing that many of us have the realization but we get in that, that spin cycle or on that, we're like that hamster on the wheel I realize it, I realize it, I realize that I'm afraid to jump off or I don't have the tools or the ability or I don't feel that I have the tools and the ability to, to ask for help because that would make that person feel or look weak. A big question or a lot of, a lot of things, but I'm, I'm really curious your thoughts there. The organization we we all realize that things things roll downhill and you could have a great team of frontline middle line um supervisors and management who want to do great things and when they pitch it upstream they get shot down and they get shot down and get shot down and as fantastic as that team might be if things are being poisoned from above then that's that's an issue that that needs to be resolved in however it can and it may simply be that those people realize this is sucking the life out of me and if i continue to stay here my personal relationships are going to, to suffer and i'm going to start adopting unhealthy coping strategies and and all of that and it's, it's going to have a negative impact on, on my life. And the best thing I can do at that point there is to leave because you've done all that you can do. Um, companies, we, we, we often hear the whole, uh, 
we have a good culture, we have this, we have this, which are which are important things. But truly, the culture needs to come from the identity of that organization. And the identity should should be that foundation upon which the culture of that organization fulfills that identity. But all too often we don't hear about about what that what that foundation is for that agency, for that department. Um, we see job ads all the time. And the number one thing, the number one bullet point on every job ad is how much money you're going to make. So in effect, your advertisement to your to your future employee isn't that you're community based. It isn't that um, you provide high quality EMS um, clinical excellence or things like that. It's come work for us because you're going to make this amount of money. And I'm not saying that that's not an important part of the hiring process, but if that's on your flyer, we all know exactly what everybody's doing. They're seeing all the ads and they're seeing this one's going to pay me this amount. This one's going to pay me that amount. This one's going to pay me this amount. This third agency is $15,000 more than the other guys. I'm going to go there instead of which one of these aligns with my values because they're being true to who they are as, as an agency. And so if you're in the, the big chair, you need to make sure that your agency has an identity and that the culture that you're developing matches that identity, matches that who you actually are as, as a department, as an agency. And once you have that, then people can more easily come in alignment with that, or they're going to say, oh, this is this is more, more work than I really want to put into this job. I'm going to go someplace else that's more in alignment with what I want. Um, and that's that's the neat thing with EMS, that's the neat thing with, 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 with FIRE, is every agency should have its own identity. Um, because each of our communities has its own identity. When I was in, in Indiana, I got a chance to work in in the immediate suburbs of, of Indianapolis. And then I got to work in the rural areas with 30 minute response times. And those communities and those departments all had unique identities. And when the department aligns with those communities, magical things happen and we we see that in in, in the large cities where, where we have stations that are that are branded um with that that neighborhood with that that community that that they're 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 servicing um but take it then to the next step of what is it about that community not just there's uh uh um ethnic connection or there's a historical namesake, but what is it about that district that is meaningful and aligned with that and build from that? And when a department does that, the ripple effect can be fantastic because now everyone can be anchored to a single source. And when conflicts come up, when there's decisions to be made, they can say, is this in alignment with 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 what we do? Um, I was just reading the other day that I think it was Campbell's Soup had Godiva chocolate as one of their their brands, and they did some some looking at at their identity, and they realized that this premium chocolate brand is not in alignment with their identity. It's not that there was anything wrong with it per se. It was just it wasn't in alignment with their identity. So they sold it and then Godiva chocolate took off and you know, they, if they had waited five more years, they could have made you know, twice, twice, twice as much money. Um, but it's, <laughs> it, but it's a, it, it's a great example of even in, in the corporate world, when companies are doing things in alignment with their identity, the decision makes the, the decision is, is a whole lot easier to make because they can say, 
this conflicts with our identity, with who we are. So let's not do it. Done. So that ad says, I value a quid, quid pro quo transaction versus a relational experience with you, the human being that's going to provide the service, the essence service that John Salmon spoke about uh, on our last podcast. Um, and, and to your points, I, I hear very thoughtful uh, and cogent ideas and things that you've actually worked through and seen and developed. And I'm curious what your thoughts are, because I, I, as I write notes when I'm listening, I wrote two words down and I put, uh, they were fear and jealousy. And I was curious where you feel that fear and jealousy, whether it be individual, organizational, or, or all the above or none of the above, fits in. Because for whatever reason, as you were talking um, and, and working your, 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 uh, your answer to my question, or your answer is multiple layers of it, and richly textured, by the way, um, yet that fear and jealousy just popped into my head and I wrote it down. So I'm just curious if that resonated in any way with you uh, or how it resonates with you. Fear is real. And I don't, I don't want any of, of my comments to be, to be misunderstood that it, it really is just that simple. Um, I've, I've worked professionally with people are obviously over 30 years. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of touch points um, and, and a lot of pain and a lot of, of sorrow and a, a lot of issues. Um, so I, I want to be clear that it, this isn't just, just a magic wand that, that makes everything better. But when you can look at things through a different perspective, when you can look at things, uh, even, even, right as I said that, Eric, I thought of, I shouldn't have said, but I should have said yes. And, and. <laughs> because, Touché. because, Touché. because that, that, that truly is, is an opportunity to see things, to reframe things and to, to shift your thinking. Um, fear and jealousy cause a lot of people to do a lot of things that, they don't truly want to do. Um, it's it's easy for me to sit here on on to, to sit in, in on LinkedIn or social media, and um, and I've done it where I've I've just for the sake of an experiment, I'll take a very common post, whatever it is, from some leadership page or some big influencer, and I post it, and you get crickets, but by golly, that other person posts it and they've got answers and they've got connections all over the place. And it's, it's easy for me to feel less than in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have my, my moment of, you gotta be kidding me. You know, this is, this was such an, an, an obvious win and it didn't happen, but that's where I go back one to my faith of God didn't create junk and this is all part of a process and that's okay. But it's also me being who I am and me being true to who I am. And whether it's fear or jealousy, it's a reaction to something else. And I can choose to, to shift my, to shift my emotion, to not be jealous of that other person because there will always be someone who is more successful, more beautiful, more rich, more famous, more a better cook, a better front lawn looking, better whatever it is. There will always be someone better than than me or you at that. And that's okay. Professional basketball players, there will always be someone better at some point. Maybe right right then, you're the you are the, the king, you are the goat. I grew up um in the era of the boston celtics dynasty so larry bird they'll he's he, he's my my the, the the number one um but there will be someone who will break his records at some point and that's okay so my my word of advice for someone who's who is looking at the situation with fear or jealousy is just stop don't compare yourself to somebody else 
ask yourself if what you're feeling in that moment is true. Is it actual true or is it just your perspective of things? Because if it is your perspective, you can shift your perspective. And maybe that feeling that you're having right then isn't fear, it's inadequacy. And if you think about times where you've done a similar thing to the thing that you're afraid of, then you can say, oh, you know what? I've done something like this before. This is pretty similar. I can probably do this. Coming on, coming on this, there's a level of, of, of intimidation because I'm not in control. You're asking me the questions, Eric, and there's an audience that's that that's waiting for an answer. Um, and I know that there are people who are saying, well, yeah, but you didn't quite answer his question the way that that he phrased it. And that's OK. And I need to be comfortable with with that, that discomfort, because that's also where we grow. We, we, we grow from our areas of discomfort, not from that that comfort easy zone. So. If you're afraid, if you're jealous, if you're looking at someone and whatever your response is to them, just stop. Figure out if what you're actually feeling is true or that lie. And then reframe it. And then you're more likely to be able to move on from that. And then you feel better. And that's a pretty good feeling in and of itself. <laughs> I, I I smiled and, and uh, had, had some... Uh cool emotion as you're expressing yourself there um, to, to, to the naysayers out there, like you said, well, I didn't hear you answer that question. Um, and, and what you did do, and, and what I tell all of our guests is that I'm never going to ask gotcha questions, despite the fact that they may feel like a gotcha question in a moment. Um, we kind of at least have an idea of what we're going to talk about. And to that point, you've opened yourself up to the opportunity experience and to share your stories and we're being present and we're engaging uh and that's where growth opportunities come because there's not any life or death circumstances or situations that are going to have a, a a result uh, or happen as a result of our conversation so i love that you use that you know kind of getting out of our comfort zone and it's low-hanging fruit if you will that we're having these conversations in order to grow richly ourselves to gain and hear another perspective and to to again, maybe reinforce when we have that feeling of inadequacy. Oh, John also expressed that. Man, I feel less out there and alone when I heard Eric's already said it. Now John's saying it, whether it's imposter syndrome or feelings of inadequacy or jealousy, actual fear or actual jealousy, typically, and I love your, your juxtaposition to that, that it's, it's more likely that we're feeling inadequate in that moment. We may not have been lifted up. We may not have had the foundation. We may have been the, the highest overachiever of overtime. So then, and, and we have billable hours and we've been promoted to supervisor for, for those reasons. And, and, and organizations that are gonna fall are often doing that. And I don't mean fall completely crumble, but staff are gonna start seeing that, right? The, 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 the actual high performers are gonna recognize these types of things. Um, so, and from a leadership standpoint, uh, you know, people will say, well, I've heard this story before, or what are they, why are they saying the same types of things? You and I aren't in business if we were all doing it well and right all the time, despite our education, our experience, our trainings. Um, we, we can continue to improve and advance uh, and share the pearls of wisdom that you have uh, with people. And, and that's the biggest thing. You have experience in the field. You have leadership positions and you have fire and EMS-based experiences leadership and management, all of those things. And that's what gives you the ability and anybody else that's in your shoes that, that has that feeling of inadequacy that you can share and, and, and remove those chains that bind us, um, whether they be fear, anxiety, guilt, or shame. So with that being said, I wanna pivot again. As you coach, and, and, I, and I wanna bring up just a coaching experience I had. I was coaching at a private, uh, school in Ohio, uh, high school soccer. And, and I was the interim coach. The, the other coach was either out on injury or traveling. I can't remember. I had played since I was the wee lad and had a British coach and I played through uh, 
adult league because where I grew up, it was very football, wrestling, basketball, and there was very little soccer other than through the Y. So I had to do an adult league that traveled and I, and I earned my bones, if you will, uh, by playing, you know, as a 16 year old with grown men. And then the first year of college uh, with exponentially better players than me because they had played at higher levels. They had been coached differently. Um, and so I, I played through my forties, but with this person, I, I had a, a parent come up to me and say, why is my child not playing? Because they've always played. Ba-da-da-da. And the only thing that I said, because I wanted to say more, and, and I also feel like I, I hopefully most of the time have integrity. And I've been a jerk before. I've been a not nice person uh, at times, and it hurts my heart. And at the same time, I'm not that person anymore, um, or at least on a regular, consistent basis, right? And I just said, have you ever played soccer before? And they said, no. I said, well, please let me have the opportunity to help. And, and there were plenty of other parents there to help your child develop the skills that I have seen them show me and, and their peers. Within 10 minutes, this, this young lad has, has scored a goal. And, and not because of anything that I specifically did. I put that person in a better opportunity for their capabilities. They did it all on their own after that. They were unbridled, right? The dad, it happened to be a dad, uh, looked and, and just kind of smiled. And, and that's the opportunity that I want. And I hear you wanting for people individually, organizationally, that you have felt. And so I want you to speak to that because I saw you light up when, when, when we shared that because there, you had an, another aha or something in there. Uh, or at least that's how I felt when I see you light up. So to that point, when you're coaching and, and you're harnessing the the, the, the the powers of all your good, bad, and otherwise experiences to share with the person or the organization that you're working with, or and, and they brought you in, to be fully exposed and to be as transparent as they're willing to be, and I think that's a key too, um, putting them in the best position to in that strength-based, right, strength EMS, how you can get them to be the best. So um, as we're coming up on about 50 minutes of, of conversation, I want you to take that opportunity and, and fly with that, however you want to take that. I, I was smiling with that story because it's, it, that's, that's a great example of, of when you put a person in a, in a situation where they where they enjoy the opportunity to shine and they do number one you had a dad who was super happy you felt good that the child was was able to 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 step up and, and do it but that's going to make that child be more excited about coming and putting in the hours and everything and tapping into that that current that runs through each one of us makes us smile um and where it where it gets neat in an in an ems organization is if you're a, a, a fto and you have a new hire and you've got an awareness of of strengths in general again i use i use clifton strengths as my as my modality, but it's it's strengths in general um, that I that I that I, I love to work with. If that FTO has an awareness, one of their own strengths, those that, that that fire that burns within them, but can recognize it in that new hire, who's nervous, who's fearful, who's jealous that their other their other new hire classmate just had a, a rocking call and. They, they did really well and feelings of inadequacy, inadequacy and all that. But if that FTO can recognize some of those traits about that person that's sitting there with them and then can tailor those field shifts to bring out those moments of joy, then that person is going to grow in huge ways. Because, again we're sitting here as as older guys with years of service behind us and had i understood this when i was 
an FTO and the number of people that I had come through with me, gosh, how much better their experience would have been and how much better our time would have been because instead of sitting there reviewing protocols for hours and hours between, between runs, I could have been doing things to grow that person, which fuels my fire. I love, I love information. So of course I'm going to study protocols and I'm going to drill them on that. Plus at that time I was focused on clinical excellence, but there's a whole lot more to a person being successful than just their clinical excellence. Um, because again, EMS is a very complex environment that they work in and they need the full set of tools in order to be successful, not just understanding the, the, the protocol and the equipment that, that we carry. So whether it's soccer, whether it's your home life and understanding how your, how your, your, your spouse ticks and tapping into, in, 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 into them. Um, my wife is very relational. So what, what, one of our, our funny stories that, that we share was why I was getting ready to paint our ceiling in our, in our living room. And I had a, a sprayer and I needed to dilute the paint. So it would, would flow probably through, through, through the sprayer and on the label, the one section that talked about how to dilute it was torn. So the only, the, the only sentence on the entire label was the one that I needed. Um, and so I pulled out my phone to, to look up the, the, the paint company's website to find out the information after I had done a general Google search for it. And my wife looking at me and said, well, why don't you call our friend who paints houses for a living? I said, because I don't want to bother him. I I can pull it up right here and, and look at it and I'll be good to go. And she, she kind of looked at me, why are you making this so hard? And we laughed about it later on because she has the fire for relations. I have the fire for information. And so we were both exactly with within who we were. And now we 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 are more in line with, okay, He's doing it because of that fire. She's doing that because of that fire, because those are our, 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 our strengths. And it becomes opportunities for us to do things in ways that we enjoy now, instead of rolling our eyes at each other. Or why do you have to, you know, always call somebody for that? Just look it up. Cause that's who she is. And if I stifle that, I'm not being loving. I'm not bringing out her best. So I let her call call her friend and I might look at the information and when that person says that I can say, yep, I agree. And we're good. So, so your, your story, Eric, in a, in a long way around it shows hopefully to the, to, to everybody listening that the power of, of people being able to bring out their best self can work on the soccer field. It can work at home. It can work in your, in your committee at church, at the school board, at the firehouse, because people are tapping into what they enjoy and aren't worrying about what they're not good at. It's the parts of themselves that bring up their best selves. And that's what, that's, that's what we should all should want is for everyone to be able to bring up their best self, not to bring up their worst self. Firstly, that was beautiful, and thank you for sharing the, the relationship story. Um, I, I know that's going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, so bravo, uh, tip of the cap to you for, for sharing that and, and, and that level of strength and vulnerability. As we kind of wind up or down, you know, we talk about the ability and the opportunity and the desire to be relational and, and people to be their authentic selves and be adaptable. And, and I always tell people, um, I might be held accountable, but I don't tell them this. I'm not in charge. We are a team. And I want them to feel as if they can share um, anything that they want to share. Um, that's how I've truly grown in, in many, where, uh, many ways is by that radical transparency and vulnerability. Um, operating with the tenets of faith and protocols and policy and information, which, which you operate under uh, as well. So I, I, there's that congruence in that relational experience that I feel with you. And at the same time, um, one of the things is I was listening to, you know, uh, 
where do accolades and recognition fall in line for you as a leader uh, and as a coach? Uh, and how do you buffet them with accountability? Because we, we've become a society that's very, I want everything today and now, uh, and also very cancel culture. If you don't, if you're not completely aligning with exactly what I say and think, and I'm powerful enough, I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to terminate you. I'm going to cancel whomever you are. So um, as we, as we kind of wrap up, um, how do you, how do you bring accountability and also have accolades and or recognition simultaneously? And do you feel that that's healthy for an organization to do? Um, and I'm kind of proffering the question, um, the best way to have both and still have integrity in, in, in a, in a great culture. And it's, uh, has a great identity at the same time. And you've said that several times. So I wanna kind of give you that last little um, opportunity uh, in, in, in at least this podcast, and, and I think we'll have other conversations to kind of address that. My answer to that is it depends on the person. And being being focused on the person's best self some people need that that accolade they they need public recognition they need the fanfare um they need that and that's that's good that's fine that's that's them versus other people are happier being behind the scenes and making the team successful making the organization successful contributing things um quietly and so Oh, one-on-one by the higher up is much more meaningful than plastering their face on their social media and a cake and, and all of that. Uh, so for that end, it's, it's, it's important to, to customize things to each person, but in order to do that, you have to know the person and my my number one plea for anyone in a leadership position and that's formal or even informal is you have to get out and you have to connect you have to have the relationships with the people um so you can know how they tick yes i'm all about information and strategic thinking but when i get to connect with a person i'm learning about them and that fills my bucket of of spending time with that person is I get to learn about them. And so if you're in a higher level of, of leadership, you have to get up from behind that desk. You have to go to where the work is being done. And in, in, in lean, it's called going, going to, to, to Gemba. You have to go out to where the work is actually done so you can see it for the complexity. You can see the stressors being put on your, your people and the decisions that they're making. And that feeds into that accountability because now you can understand why they're doing what they're doing. Not they're violating the policy, but this is what's going on that's making them choose A instead of choosing B, which you want them to choose B, but they're choosing A. Um, But it all comes down to connecting with the people and understanding what needs they have, what innate needs they have, so you can bring out their best. And that's 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 my push for anyone in any leadership position is you have to connect with your people to know how to bring out their best. If you can't do that, you're, you're not going to lead them anywhere because they're not going to understand you and they won't trust you. Well, John, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, John, uh, poignant, articulate, um substantive, uh, experiential. So I want to thank you for, for you opening yourself up to the opportunity of this experience and, and uh, sharing uh, on a, a, even a little bit broader scale than what you're already doing. Uh, can people reach you on LinkedIn and how do they reach you on LinkedIn? LinkedIn, I am, I am just John Kavanaugh. Um, you'll, see, you'll see my face um, on there and it, it, it will say that I am uh, educating, coaching and um, 
consulting. Whatever. <laughs> consulting. <Yeah. laughs> I knew it was there. I didn't think of it at the moment. Um, with with EMS providers and leaders. Um, and uh, if if you're on if you're on Instagram, I'm dabbling there as, as John Cavanaugh Coaching. Um, and Facebook is mustard mustard seed coaching. Um, but all, all my contact information is right there on, on my LinkedIn profile. And if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you aren't on LinkedIn, you should get on there because it's not just where you go for a job. It's where where leaders and where really thoughtful, really neat people are. And you can connect with people from all over the world if you want to, or you can just connect with with industry specific people. Um, and it's, it's a really neat platform, which is a whole lot better than seeing people, pictures of people's lunches and everybody on vacation. So ladies and gentlemen, this is and has been the EMS Improv podcast where we have engaged, we have tried to be mindful and we've shared and told our stories. Um, I am Eric Chase. We have been with John Cavanaugh and we are powered by GEMS. John Cavanaugh, I wanna thank you for the opportunity to have met you and become more personally uh, engaged with you. I want to thank you for your time, your efforts, your energy, and I, and I want to just say what I heard you say in, the, in the, about the hour that we've been talking. Ladies and gentlemen, managers, leaders, coaches, John's words in my, in my mind was putting, putting your people in their best position for your organization. Reach out to John, Mustard Seed Coaching. John, it's been splendid talking with you, and I hope you have a, a great weekend, and I look forward to continuing our engagements on LinkedIn and, and uh, personally as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Eric. This was, this was a great time. Thank you very much.